You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. That came quick. Yes, it did. This is uh, Father Rich along Father Richard Kunz along with Cindy Jennings, and we are coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Real Presence Live, and that, that sound is straight talk. And so you can call in with any of your questions. It can be about anything. It can be theological. It can be political. I don't mind those. It can be anything. Uh, and uh, you can be on the air or you can be off the air. You can call 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Or on our Facebook page, you can submit it. And it's an anonymous way to ask a question. And so, again, as I always say, it's like the questions seem to come towards the end. I'm not saying anything. Nope, you that's can't bad, say that anymore. Last time yeah, it was Last great. time they came pretty quickly because yep. I prodded them. Mm-hmm. All right. looks like we have well, a green. Qu- we have something green already. Is that ready, Eli? Looks like it must be. Bruce? Oh, oh, Bruce from Duluth. He's not on the air then, right? When should a Catholic make a general confession? Okay, well, I mean, I think different people use the term general confession a little bit differently. The way I use general confession is, is um, uh, you know, looking back at your life as a whole and, you know, being more in-depth as a broad. Usually, um, I talk about making general confessions for people that haven't gone to confession for a long time, unless I'm missing something. But if you go to confession on a more regular basis, I don't see the need of the of the general confession. So... If that's my understanding of how the how the question is being asked, but a general confession is something much more of a broader thing uh, from their entire life story. So there, how's that, Cindy? That's good. But if you go to confession on a regular basis, you don't need to make the general confession. So, anyway. true. Yeah. Now I know that um, uh, uh, as we're waiting for calls or things submitted by Facebook. The voice in our head, Eli, had a had a question, and so Eli, why don't you come on the air and ask the the question that you had? That's I'm an not, excellent question. I'm not saying I can answer it, but let's see if I can. I well, can answer it for you. You know, I <laughs> always try to do my best to stump you, Father. So, um, recently, I guess it was I don't know a couple of weeks ago, I was driving home and I was listening to Catholic Answers, and Jimmy Aiken was I had a, a caller who asked. Um, about soups made with meat during uh, days of abstinence, right? And he said, basically, that it's okay because canon, the Code of Canon Law was revised in 1983 and dropped the part where it says, and soups made from meat. So in his view, that takes, now that the and soups made from meat, since it was uh, in there explicitly in the 1917, was taken out in the 1983, that would make it okay. And it's like beef stock. In or the very least, stock. would make it so that it casts a doubt, which would then make that invalid. What are your thoughts? Okay. Um, well, okay. I I don't know about that canon law part. I just, I've never heard that. I'm, I, honestly, I'm kind of, and this is going to sound ignorance on my part, but it sounds, um, uh, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound canonical to me. It just doesn't seem like that that's what canon law would get into. But, uh, um, I'm just going to take him at his word in that regard, but I don't know. I just don't know about the canonical aspect of it. But, uh, you know, I'd say that my response to that, because I've certainly received questions like that, is is um, be cautious of splitting hairs. You know, I mean, this is where we start, this is where we get to the minutia of certain do's and don'ts. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, like 
you know, there, there used to be, when I was younger, I used to get really into one type of ramen noodle and, and it had a beef flavor. And I remember that I was quite a bit younger and I remember my dad saying, well, you can't eat that on Friday. It's got beef flavor. And I said, dad, let's, the ingredients didn't show any meat, you know, is there a meat byproduct where it's like juices coming from the, from the meat? Then I'm, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't get bent out of shape over that. You don't want to miss the forest for the trees. But I'd say this is that if it bothers you and you think that you're actually violating a, a Lenten fast, then don't do it. You know, but uh, I would say when we get to that minutia of, uh, of um, uh, you know, is there juice that comes from a meat product, then then I think we're kind of missing the point. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Thank you. Most people don't know beef and broccoli has stock in it. Broccoli? Stock. Beef and, or I'm sorry, broccoli cheddar soup oh. that you get at Panera has oh, okay. beef stock in it. Huh. I don't know. All right. Well, that's a, that was a good question. Thanks, Eli. Where'd no, you go? No, we got Anne, Anne from Duluth. Is she on the air? That's fine. We can read it. Cindy, do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? I'll read it. When was Jesus added to the Hail Mary? It used to just say, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. When and why was Jesus added? All right. Thank you. And from Duluth, that's a good question. And I'm not going to give you an exact question because I don't know if anybody knows the exact answer to that. But it's the, you know, the the Hail Mary is... uh, at least the first part, you know, it's a, it's totally scriptural. It's, you know, we're just quoting Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and the angel that came to see Mary. And so when we are quoting those things about um, uh, um, uh, um, Mary from the scriptures, uh, that's, the, that's the heart of the Hail Mary. But then, of course, certain prayers were added, certain words were added. And I could be wrong, but this is an educated guess, and I think I'm correct, that I think it was St. Bernard of Clairvaux, that is accredited with the additional words that were added to the Hail Mary. I believe he's accredited to it. And so, Bernard of Clairvaux, what is he? I don't know, 10th, 11th century? I don't even know. I should know that, but I don't. So, but here's the point is that what is the fruit of Mary's womb? Jesus. So we're simply naming him, right? So we're just simply naming Jesus as the fruit of the womb. And so there's nothing new or abnormal or unusual about that additional prayer. But the fact is that the Hail Mary, as it stands right now, is a very ancient prayer, at least a thousand years old, and even older than that. When you talk about the, um, uh, when you talk about the uh, scriptural side of things, and so I think it's Eli who's typing on our screen right now. It says Bernard of Clairvaux from 1090. All right, so I was close to the century that he was in, but um, uh, uh, t- 1090 to 1153. But um, and, and I'm I'm making an educated guess that it was him, but I think that he's he's given the credit for adding to the Hail Mary, to the what it is today. Thank you, Anne from Duluth. So you can call 877-795-0122, be on the air, 877-795-0122. Or you can call in and just submit your question, not be on the air. Or you can go to our Facebook page and ask questions as well. Nothing is off limits. I I mean, you can ask the question, I mean, I'm going to answer it. But nothing is off limits. And uh, yeah, it can be it can be very thought-provoking or it can be like, Little trivial things like, you know, when did Bernard of Clairvaux live? Stuff like that, too. Yeah. Cindy, do you That's have good. any questions? I don't think I do. That, wow. uh, that interview with Father Mike went pretty well, didn't it? Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. I hope that we, we I mean, we kind of bounced away from the podcast. I hope we right. kind of got what oh, I think needed so. to be said. And if not, I hope we have them back again and people can ask questions and stuff. I'm, so I'm the guy that's not technology. I'm not into podcasts or anything like that. And... In the first segment of that time that he was with us, I, I kind of got enough as a non-podcast guy to understand what was going on with it, you know. So I think that I think that we hit that well. It was good to also hit some of his background and stuff like that because he's a well-known character, 
He's a well-known personality, I should say, in the, the Catholic world. And so for um, our local listeners to hear more about them, uh, you know, his background is also interesting as well. And he's so humble and he's just bringing it to that smaller level. And so there's not a lot to talk about as far as like, oh, what interview are you doing here? Sure, you know, sure. The kind yeah. of the outside entertainment kind of world. Right. He's not really into But that. I was impressed with the whole Ben Shapiro connection. Oh, yes. I, I like know. Ben and I Shapiro. love Ben Shapiro. <laughs> All right, so 877-795-0122. We are challenging people to make the phone call because, or to submit a question because they just don't do it, at I, least not till the end. I listened to that, again, podcast with Ben Shapiro this morning, and it was just, it's great. I love how he says, um, I had to go back to the Bible to basically have a view through the Bible of what's going on today. Because oh, I yeah, think that's yeah. a lot of us, like, we're looking... But we forget we need to go back here to go through the Bible to look at. And that had to be, I mean, I watched that interview too, but you know, the only person that talks faster than Father Mike is Ben Shapiro. Really? Oh my gosh. So that had to be a really fast, that was a really fast conversation with those two. Him and I are a lot alike because we like have ADD and I'm very like audio book and I'm really to the point. I don't sit and drag something out. I just, right. and so. Except for his 25 minutes homilies. No, I listen. But I can hear it. Well, Right. 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Or go to our Facebook page and submit a question in writing if you want to. We still have uh, quite a few minutes here that we are. you're just going to listen to us blab about nonsensical things unless you call in with questions. It's funny because sometimes he'll be like, and then all of a sudden he, you can see him stop and like slow himself down. Like he realizes oh, that he's, yeah. yeah. And so... And the, I love the, I mean, the things that I've gotten into, I shouldn't say I've gotten into it, but the thing that I've probably been most exposed to with what he does is those little Ascension Press, you know, five, ten minute little things on YouTube. Yeah. I've, I've referenced, uh, um, I've, I've sent people that direction many, many times to just look it up because they're all on the, the internet now, so you can look them up. He's got so many different topics. that, uh, And so they're really good, concise, uh, very concise um, explanations of things that are, that are in the modern era. So, so but anyhow... Call 877-795-0122 to call in a question, 877-795-0122, um, and, or the Facebook page. We're waiting for courageous souls to ask questions. You don't often get a chance, well, maybe some of you do, but a lot of you probably don't get any chance to, or a real opportunity to ask a priest anything. You know, because uh, you just don't, you know, 90, I'd say, Cindy, 98% of my exposure to my parishioners is hi and goodbye before and after Mass. Oh. The vast majority of my people in my parish, that's it. So the vast majority of people that are listening, I would say that's their general exposure to their parish priest. And so I think there's a lot of people I would say, well, you know, I want to, I wish I could talk to a priest and ask him this question, even if it's not strictly theological, even if it's something to do with the world that's going on, how does the Catholic Church observe certain things? And so, uh, this is your opportunity, and I'm not saying that priests have all the answers, but we do take things from the faith perspective. And you can ask those questions by calling 877-795-0122 or on our Facebook page. It's kind of sad that there's that you just told me that. But COVID me, has to be worse, too. Well, not yeah, really. For a long I time, mean, there yeah. was no mass. No, no, yeah, that's true during that time. But but yeah. for me, it's like it's super important because of what I just said. It's I consider it a very important part of my ministry to stand out before Mass and after Mass to greet my parishioners. Even if it's just like, good morning, or good to see you, have a good week. That little exposure, as brief as it is, as I said, 
is the most I'm going to get with those people, you know. And so that, that human connection is what's so important in regards to ministry and evangelization. So even though I don't have a deep relationship with these people, I recognize them. They know me. I'm their priest. And uh, uh, it, they know that they've got a, a personal connection. So, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people might not think that, you know, greeting before Mass and after Mass is a big deal for the priest, but it's a really big part of our ministry, as brief as it is. So um, uh, if that's you and that's all you get, and you want to ask a priest a question, call 877-795-0122. I challenge to see if we have a courageous listener, if or we have even can, one. Or you can call him on his mobile phone any time of day. No, you cannot. <laughs> Some priests are really good, and they publish their, their cell phone Do numbers. Really? I, uh, a lot of priests are better than I in that regard. I try and keep some sort of privacy with that. Although it's not really private because i got like 400 you know, um, people programmed on my phone. So it's like... It's really not that private. But again, 877-795-0122 or our Facebook page. We had a lot coming in at the beginning. Now it's starting to kind of... We did. Mm-hmm. No. Hmm. Yeah. Does Eli have any other questions? <laughs> Eli, you're so helpful. <laughs> so we do have a big event coming up here next week in Duluth, anyhow. We've got the, uh, we've got the fundraiser for Real Presence Radio, which is... Gr- uh, which which is great because you know what the last thing the last big thing we did before COVID was the banquet Real Presence Live banquet oh, last yeah. year that was, was that was the last big event oh. that we did in this area and now it's like the first big event that we're doing again is Real Presence Radio uh, fundraiser so I'm really uh, I'm really excited about that me too my sister said is it virtual <laughs> is it's, it new? it's not it is it's, it's in Go. person so Eli you did have a question but I I kind of blew you off. Well, I was, you know, before the show we were talking, you were saying about, like, some fancy article that you had just acquired for your collection. And oh, maybe the listeners yeah. would like to know about it, too. Most people most people get bored by stuff like this. I got, as some listeners probably know, I've, I've kind of got a weird obsession with papal stuff. So it's like things that do with the Pope, so I collect Pope stuff. And so uh, Eli was asking about that. And so, yeah, I just got a pretty cool thing just recently. Um, uh, and it's a, a, a document from the year 1177 signed by a pope by the name of uh, Alexander III, and it's also signed by three future popes. So four popes signed on one document from the 12th century. That is unlike any other document or any other item I own, and so it's really quite a significant piece. I'd trade a lot for that, so I, I felt like I had to trade half my collection to Did get that. Did you have that. to trade what you didn't want to trade? I know we talked about it. Uh, I remember what there was, it was, there but... were some things that the guy who had it really wanted of mine, and I did have a line that I would not trade. So okay, there, he wanted some of my favorite things, and I didn't do it. And so but I still, he went ahead and did it I, yeah, with other stuff. With other stuff, yeah. but, I, but I had to really... I felt like he was pillaging my collection to get this piece. But, I mean, my oldest, my oldest signed autograph, my oldest signature prior to this was from the year 1457. Mm-hmm. That was Pope by the name of Pius II. And That's so think of 1457, now this is from 1177, and it's signed by four popes. It's a signif- super significant piece. But now, on Friday, I'm bringing it down to the Twin Cities to a conservation organization that's going to unfold it. Because it's all folded. It's in its original, it's been folded for over 800 years. So they're going to professionally unfold it so that it can be displayed so you can see it. Because right now, it's all parchment. I don't want to unfold it because that that risks it, you know. And so we have, uh, I'm going to be paying through the nose for this. So have they had the... Have they had it sealed off from the air for this long, or has uh, it has been... No, it hasn't been sealed off from the air. But, you know, when you're talking about anything that's 850 years old, you have to deal with it very... It's parchment, so it's much more durable than paper. But uh, 
for them to unfold it and then keep it to where the ink on it is still in pristine shape and not affected is going to be a, they said it's a three to six month process. So this is not a small matter. And so Friday, I'm actually leaving town to go and uh, get this done. So I will not have it for quite some time. But uh, anyhow, so that's my coolest thing lately. I'm happy to say that um, uh, we're going to have somebody on the line here and it is in green. Pam, are you there? I am here, and I'm driving, so I hope we don't get cut off if I get in a dip, because I okay. live in a rural area, and I'm on the road. Pam, where are you from? I am from Wimbledon. Wimbledon? You mean you guys play tennis? Yes. From tennis, England? Well, you know, we kind of have a tennis court, but I myself do not play, and I think there's still a thing in Wimbledon that if you come and hit a ball over the court, you get a t-shirt that says, I play tennis in Wimbledon, but in that's... little letters underneath it says North Dakota. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's so cute. That is sweet. Okay, Pam, what's your question? Yes. My question is, I think I understand the solemnities that happen or take place during Lent, that they're kind of considered like a Sunday, which is like a mini Easter, so we get to kind of do away with our Lenten penances that we're doing, so... I would like you to explain that, because I think that's kind of gotten lost through the years. And our current preceptor, Father Mulligan, has done an amazing job getting that brought back to the surface, so to speak. But because I feel so excited that I understand it, I would like you to maybe explain that so all of your listeners can understand it if they haven't heard of that before or have just maybe it's gotten lost for them as well. So sure. I want to know how many there are this year during the Easter se- or during the Lenten season, because I think there's two. And what are those dates? Um, I think one's March 19th, but I don't know the other date because I don't have my calendar in front of me. So could you go through that real quickly? Yeah, thanks, Pam. That's a great question. Uh, And I don't want to contradict your pastor, but I'll tell you from what I understand. So a solemnity is the highest level of, you know, we use the term feast day for everything. So, oh, it's a feast day. It's a feast day. But there's a feast day is is actually a technical term. And, uh, a, and, and a solemnity is different. We can call it a feast day, but it's just like the most important feast day. So solemnity, you're kind of right where it's like a little Easter, kind of, kind of not. Uh, Sundays are little Easter's, and every Sunday is a solemnity. But uh, a solemnity that doesn't fall on a Sunday is not really a little Easter, but it takes precedence over Lent. So uh, you mentioned March 19th, which is the feast day of St. Joseph. That is a solemnity. And then on March 25th, we probably, and from my standpoint, we got one of the most important solemnities, and that's the Annunciation. And so it is right and proper at those times that the fast of Lent is set aside for the celebration of the solemnity. All right, so um, uh, uh, that's what I would uh, say. And so if you wanted to, to take a break from your fast, uh, you can. You know, and so that, that's certainly um, permissible and, you know, Sometimes solemnities falls on Fridays even, and, and sometimes local bishops will say, okay, because the solemnity takes precedence, you can have meat. I mean, that's up to the local bishop. But yeah, solemnities are, are uh, the biggest deal on the church's calendar, and generally we have two during Lent, and that is the Feast of St. Joseph and the Annunciation. So very good question. Thanks, Pam. And so now You're we have welcome. Do- and not to throw, not to throw my, my pre- or Father Mulligan under the bus, he might not have said they are little Easter's during Lent. That might have been how I perceived it. So just okay. to save him. I think you threw him under the bus. And if he's listening, he <laughs> might give you a bigger penance, Pam, at confession time. No, oh, okay. no. I'm, I'm just teasing. All right. All right. I, I appreciate the call. Thank you, you very much. Day. You too. All right. We have Dr. Dan. I know who Dr. Dan is. Dr. Dan's on line too. Dr. Dan, what's your question? Hello there, Father Rich. Uh, 
nice to talk to you. Appreciate nice your show. I was I texted you. I said that because uh, I'm one of the 400 that's on your list of your phones. But I said you and Father Mike <laughs> together on the same show. What a couple of superstars! Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but this right. is my question. Uh, my wife and I, Rosie, are doing the the, the, the consecration of Saint Joseph uh, right now, uh, and uh, we. Well, my question is: What is your most? What is your? What do you? What is your favorite thing about Saint Joseph, or your most significant thing about Saint Joseph? And then I'll, I'll get off so you can talk. But I would add one other comment. You said Father Rich is the, or I'm sorry, Father Mike is the fastest talker you know. And I said if you had, if you were to get Daniel Rose and Father oh, Mike yeah. together in the same room, that's, that's uh, who like it was. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. And, and we had Danielle Rose, I think, last month, I think. I think she was a guest last yeah. month. And you know her very well, I think, because Dr. Dan, you're her dad. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, she's a fast talker, too. But uh, yeah, thanks, for, okay. thanks for the question. I appreciate it, Dr. Dan. So, thanks, Dr. Dan. So um, uh, my favorite part of St. Joseph, um, I would say maybe the fact that he's the patron saint of the Universal Church. And that's not him personally, but, you know, it's part of the devotion to St. Joseph. You know, it was Pope Pius the Ninth, and I can't remember what year in the 1860s or something that declared him the patron saint of the Universal Church, which makes sense because he was in charge of the Holy Family. You know, and so uh, to be in charge of the Holy Family, to be entrusted with that incredible responsibility, Pius the Ninth deemed it, you know, appropriate to make him the patron saint of the Universal Church. So here we have 10,000 different canonized saints, and a lot of them are patron saints of different little small things. But to put Joseph and say, okay, he's the patron saint of the whole Universal Church is kind of cool. And then how, as St. Joseph, how do you survive living in a household with a absolutely perfect son and wife? So for him to have survived that, being an imperfect man, uh, is kind of a favorite thing as well. Yeah, that's where I would say. All right, so we get a listener's question. This is anonymous. I don't think they're on the air, so we'll read it. Why does marriage prep last nine months, and are there any exceptions? Very, Father Mike does it in six. Very good question, anonymous. It should last nine years. It should not last nine months. It should not last six months. It should last nine years. We priests are prepared for the sacrament of holy orders for eight years or more, and Marriage is no less of a sacrament than holy orders is. And so I think one of the problems with marriage prep these days is that it's so, it's not in depth enough. And, and people enter into, when people, when young people are coming to get married, they're so googly eyed over each other that they think that the other is just absolutely perfect and there's nothing that's ever going to make them not love them. And so that, that googly eyed thing really makes marriage prep very difficult, you know, because it's like, you're talking about things that are challenging, and maybe you see some things that are challenging in the relationship, but you don't know the real challenge yet, you know, and that comes with time. And so uh, I would say that marriage prep, say nine months, is totally ins- insufficient, totally insufficient. And, you know, think of the other sacraments. I mean, for confirmation, we have the, we have confirmation students that go for religious ed for years before they get confirmation. You know, we have first communion. They've been in it for two years before they go for first communion. So I think we do a disservice to people that are married getting prepared for marriage by saying it's only six to nine months. And, and what I was going to say earlier before I, my own thoughts took over was that, you know, I think this, I, I think there's a part in this in regards to, you know, 50% or more of marriages end in divorce. You know, we didn't prep them enough. And so anonymous, that's probably not the answer you wanted. But I think that as a, as a church, I think we need to be more thorough in regards to our marriage prep. And I realize that there's a lot of challenges with that. 
a lot of very practical challenges. But when we want to give the sacrament its due, to you cannot have enough prep. And with the other sacraments, you're prepping one person. When you have a sacrament of matrimony, you're prepping two people connected with one another. All the bigger challenge. So, sorry, Anonymous. Too bad you're not getting in it for nine years, as you should. I think five years with a chaperone. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you're thinking of as a mom right now. As a a mom, you're speaking. No, I've always thought this because I just, yeah. But it's a good question. I appreciate that. For sure. I was older when I got married, so I was past that. What's that make you now? I know. Because you got married I'll a long time I'll be 44 ago. April 1st. April 1st. That's right. You're an April Fool's baby. So I'm not looking forward to it. 44. All right. That was baby. a good good question, Anonymous. I really appreciated that. Not the answer you wanted. But call 877. Oh, is there another one? Did you say that, Eli? Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm going to give him the number right now. 877-795-0122. I always have voices in my head, but when I'm on the radio show, Eli's my, my real voice in the head. So he's saying things to me, and it's like I'm trying to tune, tune them up, but sometimes they're important things, like giving that number again, 877-795-0122, or our Facebook page, which is also a very easy way of doing it, 877-795-0122. I always say that you know, at night after the show, I feel like I am saying that number in my head over and over again when I fall, fall Do you want asleep. me to start saying it for you? Because no, I will. Sorry. I'll mean, take over. You can. Maybe they listen to a women's voice more than a guy's voice. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We just have a few minutes for calls. I don't know if we have any time for calls. My, my, the voice in my head can tell me, but maybe, or our <laughs> Facebook page, we can squeeze one in. You have like you thirty hurry, seconds to squeeze one in, <laughs> listeners. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or our Facebook page. So, what do you think of that, Cindy? What do you think? Do you think that you need more? Well, you said five years and a chaperone mm-hmm. for marriage prep. That's kind of, it's all impractical, but, but I think people, I've had many cases where, you know, because most parishes have it in their bulletin, marriage prep must be this long. And people come and say, why does that have to take that long? Why do we have to do that long? It's like, but put it in connection to all the other sacraments. You know, like I was just saying, it's like. I don't remember mine being that long. I thought it was six months. That's because you were so googly eyed over George. It didn't Um, even seem like that it was was nine months. It just went quick. No. It's true. But it, but you know, I mean. Yeah, and marriage prep looks different from diocese to diocese, even from parish to parish, I'll say. And so, but uh, I think that um, people in my uh, line of work as priests have long realized that we are insufficient in, in our marriage prep. And so, yeah, we need to do that better. Yeah, and the chaperone, because we're just weak people. And so it's just <laughs> yeah. good to have chaperones. Yeah. <laughs> until they're kids until they're 25. That's a smart plan. Mm-hmm. Eight seven seven. Well, uh, I don't even. I'll, I'll give the number one more time. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two or our Facebook page. So this is. I mean, this um, as always is just like zooming right along. Uh, oh, are we supposed to say that? I, it's not green, but I'll read it. Good news: the Real Presence Radio online store is open until Wednesday. I thought it was open longer than that. One more day to order your RPR gear. There's something for everyone. Check out our options on realpresenceradio.com backslash store. Oh, I'm going right. to go there. That's so cool. I didn't know. I asked Eli. I mean, are they going to have like T-shirts with pictures of all the hosts and stuff? Oh, like that, that would that'd be so be, fun. That'd be so cool. I wonder who would could get the most, mine. or oh, you could oh, sign mine. Competition. That would really it would be a jack up the numbers there. Yeah. And so I, I, I like that idea. So the powers that be at Real Presence, I think that you should like have a line of T-shirts with photos of all your uh, your hosts. Okay, all right. We, we got, got we got about a minute of this real um, uh, of this live calling segment, and we do have a guy online, but I'm not going to read it 
not going to read it until it turns green. I know. Or he's actually on the line. Adam, you're on the line. Go for it. Sioux Falls. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for taking questions. Uh, Father, I've been led to uh, attend some of the Orthodox services, like through Advent, and take part in that in some beautiful liturgies. Um, but it, in and also a study that they were doing, and it came to mind. It came to my mind that uh, they have a difference of opinion on the Mecca conception, and beings that you know they have valid priests and valid sacraments and everything else. I was kind of shocked by it. the fact they don't have the belief of the Immaculate Conception. And along with that, they don't have... Um, well, the, Father Sava, he once said that even without Adam and Eve having sinned, the human race would have still been in need of a Savior, of the God-man sure. to come. It, 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 yeah. it divinized man. And so he said both of those things stem from their understanding of original sin versus the Roman Catholic understanding of original sin. So I just wondered if you could well, uh, yeah, but, flesh okay. that out a little bit. Thanks, Adam. We, we have a very short time, and I'll take a crack at this as quick as I can. Uh, when we say, you know, I don't like hypothetical questions, and so when the hypothetical is, if we hadn't sinned, we would still need a Messiah. Well, it doesn't matter, okay, because original sin happened. And so any type of hypothetical question is just hypothetical, and so it's just a ma- conjecture of opinion, you know. But I also know that they don't believe in the, um, uh, at least most strains of orthodoxy, do not believe in the Immaculate Conception. There were some even Catholic saints in the early, early centuries that had a hard time understanding and coming to faith with that, but that's the Church's teaching, and there's a lot of evidence for it, scripturally even. But um, as far as the um, uh, other differences with the original sin with the Orthodox, I'm not as certain about that. You know, I know that there's a little bit of a difference in regards to what Lutherans believe and what Martin Luther believed in Catholics. I'm probably a little bit more in uh, understanding with that. But uh, as far as like the needing of the Messiah uh, and the hypothetical, if, even if we hadn't sinned, um, we have a fallen nature. And I don't think the Orthodox can deny the fact that humans have a fallen nature. And because we have a fallen nature, we needed the Messiah. And we believe as Catholics that the fallen nature came as a result of that original sin. There are so many different strains of orthodoxy that I, would, I don't know if I would want to, I don't know which ones believe what, because they're not all the same, you know. And so we usually think of the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox as the biggest, but there's a lot of them. So I wish I could do a better job on that one, Adam. You kind of caught me flat-footed on it. But thanks for the question. Thank you, everybody, for calling in with your questions or writing them down for us. Uh, after this break, we'll be talking about a future uh, a program happening in the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, right after this brief break. <laughs> 